The Bereans model for us the attitude we should have towards the preaching of God's word. I wish that every Christian had the same attitude. I believe the Holy Spirit does too. And that's why we read what we read in Acts chapter 17. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 17. We're going to focus on verse 11. But before that, I'd like to read the verse in its context. And that means reading from the beginning of the chapter in this case. Acts chapter 17 verse 1 reads as follows. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the word of God. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, as well as men. There's a lot in this, and certainly it's the case that on this second missionary journey of Paul, he encountered turbulence in Thessalonica. That's putting it mildly. He was sent away along with Silas to Berea because of it, because it was just so turbulent. He couldn't stick around. We're not told a whole lot of information about the Berean Jews. We're not told a whole lot about them. We're simply told this, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And we're told why. They received the word, that's the preaching of Paul. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. We're told they were more noble This speaks of a commendation. This is something to be emulated, something to admire. The implication is obvious. This is something that we should copy. This is something that should be copied. It should be adopted. This is a model for us as well as we read the Word of God, as we hear the Word of God, as we hear the Word preached. We should have the same attitude as the Bereans. We should be noble like they were noble. 
they had a massive enthusiasm for the word. The Bible tells us that they received the word with all eagerness. Do you see that? With all eagerness. The Greek word here, prothemia, means readiness, readiness of mind. This does not mean that they were naive. This does not mean that they were willing to accept anything. This doesn't mean they were gullible, in other words. Oh, just, oh, just gullible. They'll, they'll believe anything. No. But they were excited. They were excited. They received the word with all eagerness. They realized what was taking place. God was speaking to them. And they were excited about it. Excited about it. I'd also say this. They were excited and they were diligent students of the word. As we continue to read verse 11, we see this very clearly, very plainly. They had the attitude, I can't wait to hear it. I'm eager. I'm on the front row, if there is a front row. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. I'm there with my Bible. Now, the entire Bible was not yet in play, hadn't yet all been written, but they, were, they had access to the Word of God and they were going to check it out. I can't wait to hear it. And I can't wait to check it out. Those two things were in play in the attitude of the Bereans. When we read the word receive, they receive the word with all eagerness. It, it shows that to them, the word is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift you receive. And that should be our uh, attitude. In Latin, recipimus. We receive. And... Uh, in councils, that's what uh, people have said regarding the Word of God. We receive it. We are not the authority. We recognize the authority of the Word and we receive it. We're told this. Not only did they receive it as a, as a great gift, but they were diligent in studying. And they examined the Scriptures, not casually, but let's look at the text again, daily. Daily. They examined the scriptures daily. It's interesting what's said here. That uh, word examine means, uh, or can mean, a judicial inquiry. It's uh, used of Pilate as he interrogate, interrogated Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 23. So this was not just a casual looking at a couple of verses here that they were diligent students and they did so daily. Now, there was not a command in this to you must read the Bible daily, but it's certainly a model for us. That's what we see. And we're told it's a model that is worth emulating. It's a noble thing that took place in Berea. And the Bereans were noble, more noble than the Jews elsewhere in Thessalonica. How are we to read the Bible? Well, the Westminster Larger Catechism tells us this, question 157. How is the Word of God to be read? Let me read what it says here. Here's the answer. The Holy Scriptures are to be read with a high and reverent esteem of them, with a firm persuasion that they are the very Word of God and that He only can enable us to understand them, with desire to know, believe, and obey the will of God revealed in them with diligence and attention to the matter and scope of them with meditation, application, self-denial, and prayer. 
They examined the scripture daily. They had a regular time, I guess, when they got out the scrolls and made sure that what Paul was preaching could be found in the word of God. That's an amazing thing. And Paul's reaction was not one of anger. He was not angry at all. And certainly Luke is not angry with the Bereans for saying, awesome, but we're going to check this out. Paul could have replied and responded and reacted by saying, don't you know who I am? Don't you realize I'm the apostle Paul sent by God? Don't question what I've got to say. No, no, no. They, they were excited. They actually believed he was sent by God, but still verified that what he was saying was true by the scriptures, by the scriptures. For Paul, the authority is scripture, and for the Bereans, the authority was scripture. Scripture. Scripture alone is the word of God. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See, the Apostle Paul, his ministry was not above the Bible, over the Bible. It was revelation from God. But should it be true, if it is true, since it is true, it will agree with scripture. The teaching that he brings will be in line with Scripture. See, the true preacher, Paul was a true preacher, true apostle, he's delighted when his hearers investigate the Scriptures to determine if his teaching is true. Why? Because he knows it will stand up to scrutiny. If you've got the real deal, if you've got the real thing, you're not scared of people examining your teaching. If you've got a real gold ring and someone says, I don't think that's gold, but you know it's gold. And he says to you, you know, I want, before you say that's gold, I, I think we should check that out. He says, go ahead. And you go with him to the jeweler. The jeweler looks at it and examines it thoroughly and says, yep, real gold. You see, if it's real gold, it will stand up to scrutiny. And if a teaching is true, it will stand up to scrutiny. And when it does, it makes the person who had questions remove their questions because it's been proven that the teaching is true. And Paul wanted that. And that's where there were conversions. Look at verse 12. Many of them therefore believed. Not many of them believed, but therefore, on the basis of their study of the scripture, they understand that they understood that what Paul brought to them was true and therefore they believed. Praise the Lord. We compare scripture with scripture. The analogy of scripture is uh, theologians refer to it. Because the scriptures, the Bible, has one divine author, there are no contradictions because God does not contradict himself. He's a God of truth. And contradiction is not the hallmark of truth. It's the hallmark of falsehood. And that's why there's such unity in the scriptures. The Bible teaches that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, based on the 
authority of Scripture alone, all to the glory of God alone. And that's true in the Old Testament and the New. There's one message, salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't know the name of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now we do, but it was faith in God and his promises, what was revealed that saved all those who believed in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God, Genesis 15, verse 6, and God credited it to him as righteousness. He saved the same way we are. That's Paul's point in Romans chapter 4. This is not a new doctrine. Praise the Lord. I'd like to uh, just mention this too. They examined the scriptures daily. They did so with joy and they came to right conclusions because of their study. Many of them believed. Before I finish, I'd like to read something I came across just recently. It's by a pastor. Robert Briggs is his name. And he talks about the value of a confession of faith. You see, what I've said is to hold up Scripture, and that's what a good confession of faith will do. Praise the Lord. Let me just read these words. It's fine to declare with great conviction we must believe the Bible alone, and we must build on the Bible alone. No evangelical Christian who believes in the authority and sufficiency of Scripture would disagree. That is, however, not enough to protect you from error. Why? Because it doesn't address what the Bible actually teaches. Without a confession of faith, congregations who declare the Bible alone without qualification might think it is orthodox, but they are in fact vulnerable to the idiosyncratic notions of their pastors. Let me just insert this. Pastors can err, make mistakes, go off into error. That's certainly true in church history and in our own time too. Continuing on. They are vulnerable to the authoritarian attitudes and whims of those they place over them in the Lord. We're talking about congregations now. A confession of faith protects the whole church and makes all men, including the pastors, accountable to what Christianity has believed for centuries. If you don't understand that Scripture is the ultimate authority, but not the only authority in church life, and that a confession of faith actually protects you, my plea, Pastor Briggs says, my plea is that you would think about it more deeply and prayerfully. Every cult will argue that they believe the Bible alone. What determines their orthodoxy is what they believe the Bible actually teaches. That is their confession of faith, for better or for worse, and that confession has an authority, spoken or unspoken. This is not a new issue. Our forefathers in the 17th century faced the same issue with various groups. There is nothing new under the sun, just the same old errors and heresies dressed up in new clothes. Here's what my confession of faith is regarding this issue. And he quotes then from the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689, the same confession we as a church hold to. Here's the quote. The Holy Scriptures is the only sufficient, certain, an infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. 
although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom and power of God as to leave, inex leave man inexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give the knowledge of God and his will which is necessary unto salvation. End of quote. Pastor Briggs continues, Notice scripture is not the only rule according to our confession, but the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. That is an important distinction to understand if you would avoid heading out of the Christian faith into error. Our forefathers believed in sola scriptura, not nuda scriptura. Let me just explain that. Nuda scriptura, as you might understand from that uh, Latin word nuda, it means bare, naked, bare scripture. In other words, scripture to the exclusion of all other authorities entirely. That's not what we believe. We believe that scripture alone is the ultimate authority. And he makes this distinction, and let me continue to quote him. The distinction is huge and might be the difference between spiritual safety and spiritual danger, between being safe under doctrine that is orthodox or threatened by doctrine invented in the mind of the preacher, but in reality out of step with orthodoxy and leading you astray. Hopefully you'll get two things in the big picture of what I'm presenting in this short devotion today. Our attitude to the scripture should be one of great eagerness as we hear the word of God read and preached. Yet we must also study to see if what we're hearing is true. It's a very noble thing to do that. And I don't want to say but, I want to say and as I go on to this Next conclusion, because the scriptures are something that's been in the hands of the people of God through the centuries, whenever we come up with something new, it's usually, most likely, not true. Because God has been with his people through the centuries and has given gifts to men, according to Ephesians chapter 4, the ascended Christ has given pastors and teachers amongst other gifts to the body of Christ and these are gifts not only in our own day but through the centuries and should we be people that come across the scripture and come up with a doctrine never heard of before could be that God was waiting for us before he brought the final revelation of truth but that is highly unlikely no the Holy Spirit has been with his, ch his church through the centuries and there's safety not only in a multitude of counselors, but in the multitude of the great teachers of the church who poured their lives by uh, poured their lives into study of the scriptures and the great creeds and confessions of the church, while not having the same authority as the scripture, no less have some authority, and they are nu nutritious for us, helpful to us, and they are gods like safety rails like guardrails along the side of a mountain go off from uh, go through those guardrails and there's only oblivion and darkness and certain death so it is in the realm of the scriptures and our study of it 
we can be massively helped by the creeds and confessions of the faith as an authority, but not the ultimate authority. Scripture alone has the ultimate authority, and it's a confession of faith that puts that front and center to say Scripture alone is the Word of God. And here's what we believe Scripture teaches. Well, I trust this has been a blessing to you. Let me pray as we end our time together. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Lord, we do want to cultivate that noble attitude of the Bereans to receive the word of God with all readiness and to study, to show ourselves approved by God and to determine whether or not the things we hear are in fact true. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's been given to us, the people of God, that we might know your truth. He is the spirit of truth. Jesus, you said, I am the truth. And the Lord Jesus also said, thy word is true. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. For something to be true, it will be true according to the word of God, true according to Jesus, true according to the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So we pray, Lord, continue to lead and guide us into all truth by your word, and by the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.